from Luke chapter 12 from verse 13 to 34. Luke chapter 12 from verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there will I store all my grain and my goods. And I will say in my soul, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. <clears throat> and he said to his disciples, before, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a little, a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do a, as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, uh, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, uh, where no thief approaches, and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So far the reading. Let's consider the Heidelberg Catechism's exposition of the Eighth Commandment. 
Well, this is Lord's Day 42. The Eighth Commandment is, you shall not steal. As we reflect on this, uh, there's two questions that, that we need to consider. Again, it's uh, what is forbidden and then what is required. So the, posit- or the negative and then the positive characters of this law. First of all, what does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? He forbids not only outright theft and robbery punishable by law, but in God's sight, theft also includes cheating and swindling our neighbor by schemes made to appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interest, or any other means forbidden by God. In addition, he forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. What does God require of you in this commandment? That I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good, that I treat him as I would like others to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word this afternoon. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, help us to look at our lives and to recognize again the the blessed teaching of your word, that our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions, but where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. So help us to set our treasure in your kingdom and in your service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon we're looking at life's bottom line. What is your measure of success? When you think of having made it in life, what does that look like? What captures your daydreams, your night dreams, when you think, ah, if I could attain that, then I will have arrived? It has to do And we're going to consider this afternoon two ideas. What's mine and what's God's? What belongs to me and what belongs to him? And that's how we are to account for our lives. We're talking about, I wouldn't say key performance indicators. I think that that's putting our focus simply on what we do. I think it's key heart indicators on where our heart is, on where our treasure is. Now, I would imagine that you would think it very unusual if you went to the grocery shop and and you were paying for your groceries. Well, we do it digitally now, but let's suppose you were using cash. You were using cash and you drung up a $200 bill, and so you take $200 out of your your, uh, wallet and, and you hand it over to the cashier, and rather than put it into the till as they normally do, she stuffs it into her pocket. You'd say, hey, wait a minute, that doesn't belong to you. This belongs to the store. You're simply a cashier. The money you paid for your items needs to go to the owners. So it is with the Christian life. We need to recognize that we're like that cashier. We're stewards, we're servants in God's kingdom. We live as those who are redeemed and are responsible to God for using the gifts that he has given to us. And that's what the Eighth Commandment is addressing. You may not take what God has given to someone else and place your stamp on it and say, that's mine. 
It doesn't matter who you are. God doesn't differentiate. You could be the king. Think of King Ahab in Israel. He could do whatever he wanted, and yet he could not take Naboth's vineyard. He was held accountable by God for the theft by the work of his wife, Jezebel. So at the top of society, there's the king. They're not allowed to do that. At the bottom of society, there's a servant, Elisha's servant, Gehazi. Remember, Naaman had been healed, and and he wanted to bestow a gift on Elisha for for doing God's work, for for giving that prophetic word, which allowed Naaman to be cleansed. And, And Elisha said, no, he turned away those gifts. And Gehazi was struck by that. What is he doing? He could be so much wealthier. And so he chases down Naaman. He says, you know what? My master changed his mind. Give me the gifts. I like them. And he went home and he buried him. Whether you're a king or a servant, God says, you may not steal. The eighth commandment forbids theft. Theft is saying what is yours is mine. I have a right to it. A theft is also saying What is mine is mine. We can be thieves without ever taking somebody else's stuff. We can be thieves by being misers or holding on to our stuff so tight that we won't share it with others. And now what we're learning by the Eighth Commandment, remember God's law? He gives us this law to to show us the way of life, to show us the way of fellowship and communion with Him, to to work out our salvation, to recognize even how we we look at our possessions has a bearing of, of how our heart holds on to Him, how we express a love for Him and a love for our neighbors. And, and God has given us this law to liberate us from a, a mistaken view of our possessions. And He's using this commandment to teach us to say to God, what's mine, O Lord, is actually yours. It's yours. It's not mine. So let's unpack this commandment, and we'll do so in in a series of points. What's yours is mine, talking about theft. What's mine is mine, the danger of greed, and then learning to say what's mine is God's. What's yours is mine, outright theft. The New Zealand Retail Association, a conglomeration of of polls that that consider and listen to, to retail owners and how they estimate and what they estimate with regard to the loss of of money in terms of theft and what is stolen from retailers. I was shocked, actually, at the amount. They estimate for 2021 that the cost of theft to retailers is $1.1 billion per year. That's $3 million a day that is being stolen by retailers. For those who you are good at math, I, I had to use my calculator for this. That's $125,000 an hour that's being stolen in New Zealand. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Three, or excuse me, $1.1 billion a year is just gone, not paid for either by shoplifters or employees 
And we need to recognize that people are stealing not because they are in need. Normally, it's just because they want something for nothing. They want. It's an act of the will. They see that somebody else has it, and I don't, and I don't want to pay for it, so I take it. It's rationalized, of course, because we look at these store owners as as anonymous people, and they have more money than I, and so they can spare this for me. Outright theft is forbidden, but there's also other schemes. Other schemes that are used to try and and better ourselves, to make ourselves perform better. In sports, the doping scandals, performance-enhancing drugs used to manipulate the body to get a better prize, to gain the top accolades, to better ourselves and to make ourselves more accomplished. Schemes found on the internet, fraud all the time taking place, using marketplace trade me to sell goods that don't belong to you or that are just fictitious. Fraudulent merchandising, claiming something is what it isn't. Counterfeit money, using schemes to steal from others. See, and this is the framework of theft. It's looking at what is yours and saying, I want it, I'm entitled to it, give it to me. Ignoring the rules when they don't fit my desire. The mistaken notion of this, the the enslaving reality, the handcuffs, the spiritual handcuffs that, that enslave us to this notion is what Jesus is addressing here in Luke 12, verse 15. Life does not amount to. One's life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Stealing will not satisfy your soul. Your life does not consist. And how alluring this is and how providential. Uh, We can talk about this and and listen to God's Word and and be redirected in the the lead-up to Christmas when the flyers are filling our letterboxes and the advertisers are going crazy. We even have a day committed to the year. It's Black Friday, and I recognize it started in the States. It was the day after Thanksgiving, and it's the most crazy shopping day that ever existed in the world. It's called Black Friday. And it's in that day that people buy so much stuff that the company that has been in the red goes into the black. That's where it got the name Black Friday. Because people are consumed and obsessed that the spirit of giving, which isn't the spirit of giving, it's the spirit of consuming, is that thing that Christ has come to secure. It is not that at all. And God's word, and Jesus addresses us himself this afternoon when he says, think about your life. What is your bottom line? What is your highest good? It's not to get what others have. He liberates us. This is a word of grace. This is a word of goodness. This is a word of salvation. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. But then we need to bring it closer to home. 
when we deal with what's mine is mine. And this is the parable that Jesus teaches, living like we have no accountability to God. Often we wonder, is, is this man's problem the fact that he's been blessed so richly that he builds build bigger barns? No, it's in what he says to my soul. This is how he seeks to satisfy his soul. He says, soul, you have ample goods. Should we not have pantries in our kitchens? Should we just live hand to mouth? Is that the idea? No, that's not the idea of this parable. God is telling us, and God is alerting to us. When you have this rich abundance, when you have this glorious treasure that God has bestowed upon you, when you succeed and, and materially have great abundance, guard your soul. Are you as, as much as, as you build bigger houses and get better barns and have bigger pantries, are you as rich to God as you are in the use and the blessing of your possessions? What's mine is mine. The Heidelberg Catechism well reminds us that God forbids all, all greed. Greed. The green-eyed monster excessively desiring wealth or possessions just to say it's mine. My treasure is mine to do with what I please. I don't know if you've watched the Simpson episode. There's apparently an episode in which Bart Simpson sits down at the dinner table and, and one of his parents asks him to say grace and he says, we worked for this food. We've paid for it. Thanks for nothing. Atrocious. It's mine. We hold on to it. We have it for ourselves. It's all about how I want to use it. Not only do I want it, but I want it now. And how many want something for nothing and are unwilling to work for it? And so they gamble, hoping to win or take out a loan because they want to secure their wants. And God's Word says, wait, wait. In your acquisition of treasure, in your acquisition of possessions, and trying to get more and to have a better life, aren't you as diligent in being rich toward God? You see, the problem with this parable and the problem with this farmer is that he says, soul, you have sufficient. Serve yourself. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. Forget about God. You've made it. You're entitled to this. Go on. Enjoy. Like you deserve it. Thanks for nothing. I'll enjoy it my way, thank you. God says, you fool. You don't understand the gratitude that God has blessed you with, and He wants you to be rich toward Him. Greed. Greed. We've got it all. We're self-made 
people. And one that also challenges us when we consider what's mine is mine, the pointless squandering of his gifts. The way Olivianus and Ursinus have written this always strikes my heart and my head as I consider this, the pointless squandering. It's not talking about generosity. It's not talking about enjoying your possessions, provided you do that in gratitude. Remember, nothing is is wrong, provided we receive it with gratitude and use it with gratitude and we recognize the source of our blessings. But this is pointless. Pointless. The whole purpose is to serve me, not to serve God. It's pointless. It's not used properly as serving others. It's spending just because it feels good. We often joke about retail therapy, going shopping to alleviate the woes and the troubles that I have. It's a danger that we have. It's like that cashier in the illustration at the beginning. As she pockets the money, she says, you know, they don't need this money, the owners. I'm going to use it, and I'm going to splurge on the lottery because I'm going to win it big. It's pointless. The squandering. But you want to understand why this is such a pointless and dangerous reality. It's this pointless squandering of His gifts. His gifts. God's gifts to you. God has a purpose. God has a design in the gifts that He bestows upon you. And see, now this is talking about much more than money. This is talking about our whole relationship with Him. His gifts. His gifts of time. His gifts of energy. His gifts of family, his, his gifts of culture, his gifts of where you've been born, how you've been raised, the, the abundance we have in this country, his gifts, how are we using them to serve God and our neighbor? Or are we just squandering his gifts, using them for self-indulgence and self-pleasure? Because we think we're owed them. What's mine is mine. There's outright theft. There's those schemes that appear to be legitimate. But it's also a word against greed, which will eat away our souls as we cling to our possessions. What is the antidote? What is the way that grace liberates us? What is the way that God in His gospel, through the work of Jesus Christ, helps us and enables us to to have a different perspective, shows us the way of life so that we can have possessions, we can have abundance, and, and we won't destroy ourselves with it? It starts with learning to say, what's mine is God's. Our possessions, our life, Our abundance, our purpose is received from God. As members of His kingdom, His law has a priority in our lives. That God has given us this commandment, not because He wants to keep us impoverished, but because He wants to make us rich, rich towards Him. Rich in His service. Abundant in opportunities to care for those around us. His provision is our confidence. Let me read that second line. Lay upon God's altar good 
and loving deeds. And once you've done that and expended yourselves in that way, and in all things trust Him to supply your needs. Do we give in a way that causes our need? Does His provision for you give you the liberty and the freedom That's the framework in which Jesus teaches us. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. How can you do that? You can do that because of the character of the Father. You can do that because of the character of God. Listen to what Jesus says as He, he reminds us of who we are as children of the Father, redeemed by Him and set free in His kingdom. Be aware Life is more than clothing. Life is more than food. All the nations of the world seek after these things, and it's understandable that they do, but your father, your father, do you realize the character of your father that allows you to be open-handed, to be generous, to be sacrificial in your giving? Your father knows. He knows that you need them. You see why we need this commandment? Because we need to be liberated from this death grasp that we have on our possessions. And the only thing that can liberate us is a confession and an awareness of who our Father in heaven is. And His knowledge and His testimony that He knows, He knows you need them. Because holding on to our possessions is an affront to God as well as our neighbor. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He drills down and he makes it even more, fear not. It's a scary thing to give beyond your means. Fear not, little flock. Little flock. That's the word of sheep. Here's the shepherd who cares for you. Here's the shepherd who leads you. Here's the shepherd who knows you, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom? The kingdom? Seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. He's the King. He has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. He's not a stingy overseer who's just waiting to see what he's going to get from you. He's a benevolent father, a careful shepherd, an all-rich king who says, I'll give you more. His design is to liberate you, set you free from believing the lie that your life, your life's bottom line consists in the abundance of your possessions. And to set you free with the reality that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the treasure of seeking first the kingdom of God. And this is a call for stewardship. The way to counter greed is giving. The way to counter stealing is serving. Stewardship. 
Remember that cashier earlier? Thousands of dollars passed through her hands. That's not her money. And yet she's allowed to touch it and to do what the owners want her to do with it. She is a good steward. When she sees that her treasure lies not in holding on to that money as if it's her own, but passing it along and putting it in its place, truthfully and faithfully, for the glory of her Master. A Christian who lives like that shows that the treasure he has is not in this world. It's not in his possessions. It's in God. And what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It's to use our time, it's to use our money, it's to use our talents, to use our energy and our activity to care for those who are in need. I work faithfully so that I may share with those who are in need. I don't work faithfully so that I can accrue wealth or so that I can make a name for myself. I already have that name by the Father. I already have everything from the Father. I work so that I can share with those who are in need. I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good. I recognize the calling of God's law is, is that, that glorious principle of Micah 5 verse 8, to love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with our God. That's His kingdom. And it's for us to confess in obedience to the Eighth Commandment. What's mine is God's. It's God's. What's yours is not mine. What's mine is not mine. What's mine is God's. It's a trust given to us. A trust for us to use for His glory, for His honor. That is life's bottom line. Amen.